0: Hello and welcome to Watch Jerusalem. I'm your host, Brent Noctagal. Thank you very much for listening in today, January 19th, 2020, this Sunday. I'm back with you after missing two programs. Thanks very much to Christopher Eames for taking two weeks ago, Last the program two weeks ago. He detailed the history of the tribe of Ephraim and how that relates that tribe to the British Commonwealth of today. I suggest that you go back and listen to that if you haven't, because it really is a, a key to understanding world events, uh, how they relate to biblical prophecy, this knowledge of who biblical Israel is today. And mainly these two tribes, Vefraim Manasseh, this is something that you can prove, and you can certainly prove by fulfilled prophecy as well. In fact, I believe if you don't really know who these tribes are today, then you are going to be completely lost in terms of understanding prophecies that God expects us to understand in our times. That was the purpose of these prophecies, so that in the time of the end, these prophecies could be understood. How do you understand them if you don't know who they're referring to? So in terms of understanding your world today, there is nothing more important than you can be doing than by proving who biblical Israel is. And I'm not just talking about this little nation Of Israel today. This isn't some replacement theology either. Whenever we publish something about the identity of the Lost Ten Tribes, we get a number of people that comment and talk about how this is a replacement ideology or a replacement theology, trying to take over the role of Jews. Well, this is just simply looking at history, looking at prophecy, looking at the migrations of these uh, the Lost Ten Tribes as as uh, as they are called today. They are no longer lost. They can be known And a lot of the prophecy of your Bible refers to those lost 10 tribes, if I can call them that. And many people understand, of course, many rabbis understand the northern ancient tribes of Israel do not make up the Jewish state today. Though, of course, there are probably many members of those tribes that are in the state of Israel today. Those ancient tribes make up other specific nations today. They do. The tribe of Judah and Levi, Bitter Benjamin, that's what we have here in Israel today, amongst some others, and those other tribes of the northern tribes of Israel, they are elsewhere. Bible prophecy refers to them, and uh, and prophecies for those tribes, so they have to exist somewhere. Where are they? Well, Christopher Eames is going through a series on the identity of those tribes, and if you haven't le- uh, if you haven't listened to his programs, I'd I really do. Uh, encourage you to go back and he's done 3 so far he's done well I think he's done f- well 3 or 4 he's done France uh the tribe of Reuben he's done obviously Judah being um the the state of Israel today he's talked about Ephraim and being the British Commonwealth and he's I think he's going to talk about Manasseh next and so you can look forward to to that now if you have listened to our program of any length of time you know that we have dedicated hours to talking about uh, Qasem Soleimani, the now-deceased leader of the the Quds Force, Iran's uh, Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, Quds Force, in charge of overseeing Iran's actions uh, outside the nation, in charge of overseeing Iran's terrorist activities, in charge of overseeing uh, what Iran does in Lebanon and Syria, Yemen and elsewhere. He's of course uh, been killed, as you know. This was it was big news. Although I haven't talked about it on this program yet, so we are going to talk about some of what we what can we expect to happen in the aftermath of his death uh, in the Middle East on today's program, and what biblical prophecy says about the near future in the Middle East. And uh, of course, this Soleimani was a very important figure in Iran. He was. Largely successful, though deceased now, at his lifelong goal, and that was to take over Iraq for Iran. That was his fight ever since he started in 1980 in the Iran-Iraq war. He was awarded just this past year, earlier on in the year, with Iran's highest military commendation, the only person ever to receive such an award because of the the 40-year war uh, for Iraq that Iran has waged. And that, though Soleimani is dead, uh, Iraq uh, is lost to is lost to Iran, and there may be a skirmish or two going forward. There are still people protesting on the the streets, of course, uh, against Iranian rule over their nation. And they certainly do feel for those people that are trying to break free from Iran's hold. The Kurds in the north, and plenty plenty of others throughout the nation, that are trying to do that, but. Uh, Iraq is lost to Iran. Soleimani, more than any other figure, was the reason behind that victory for Iran. And though he is dead, there is no going back from that for Iran. Biblical prophecy does support this fact, that while there may be protesters out on the streets in Baghdad, Iran will consolidate its power over Iraq in the near future. But what does Soleimani's death mean for the rest of the Middle East? Uh, again he was arguably the most important man for the united states to take out to derail iran's quest for regional hegemony a lot of people in israel no doubt happy that he's gone since he was the cause of of a lot of the policies of hezbollah hamas islamic jihad all these terrorist organizations in their fight against israel they're directed by this man he controlled the chess pieces of all of iran's proxies across the middle east and now he's gone, and there are others that are stepping into his place, but it, though it might take a little bit of time for them to get the same type of control that Soleimani had over them uh, to, to gain the power of those levers of control uh, for the next uh, Ismail Khani is the next leader of the Quds Force. We'll see how he does in the near term. But now that it, he is gone, what can we expect from Iran? And what can we expect from the United States going forward? Now, Plenty of the media would have had us believe that had the United States taken out uh, Qasem Soleimani, that it was going to end up in world war, but that obviously hasn't happened. Of course, Iran did retaliate with their face-saving attack against uh, United States assets in Iraq, firing those 15 missiles or so, hitting U.S. bases, but being careful not to hit U.S., Uh, Soldiers, there were no deaths, although there was some slightly concussed U.S. forces that were removed out of Iraq in the aftermath. No one died. Uh, No one died. And so there hasn't been this uh, regional war that was expected because President Trump took out Qasem Soleimani. But apart from that, it is really interesting to consider how many prophecies are playing out uh, in the Middle East, in this, this period of the United States' successful attack against Iran, the lack of response from Iran, and the slow withdrawal now of the United States' forces from the region. Now, we do base our forecast on biblical prophecy, and it is very important to understand this because it is a guiding uh, a guiding hand at understanding the, the difficult maneuvers of the Middle East and the players involved, we can pretty much summarize what's going to happen in the Middle East in terms of the major events. We know going forward that based on biblical prophecy, Iran, as the head of radical Islam, is going to continue to be the bully that it's always been. Although it might be temporarily motivated to not strike the United States because this show of strength Uh, We know that they're not going to change their stripes. They can't change their stripes. We know also that the current Iranian protests in Iran and the protests in Iraq are not going to be successful. They are not going to end up with regime change. The United States is not going to force regime change inside Iran. That's what your Bible says. Another part of biblical prophecy guiding us shows us that the United States is going to continue to withdraw from the Middle East. This is President Trump's goal, and uh, he is going to move towards that, even though he did have this uh, pinpoint strike against Soleimani and his cohorts uh, just outside the Baghdadi, uh, Baghdad airport uh, back at the beginning of, of January. Now, at the be- in the wake of this United States exit that is coming, it's 100% coming, biblical prophecy says it's coming, and we also know that President Trump's goal is to remove United States forces from the region. He's even said as much. Who's going to then, uh, or what's going to take place in the absence of American power in the Middle East? Well, America's allies are going to be increasingly exposed to Iran's actions, be that Israel, or more specifically, it's it's going to be Europe that's going to be more exposed because the United States withdraw. Now, Bible prophecy clearly shows that Europe is going to be on the receiving end of Iran's wrath and that Europe will eventually respond to Iran decisively, overwhelmingly, and suddenly. It's going to be a shock, a shock to the world. And most importantly, Europe's response will be a shock to Iran. That's what your Bible says is going to happen Although it doesn't look like that could happen right now, considering the weakness of Europe in the face of what Iran's been doing, in the face of the nuclear deal that Iran has, uh, that uh, Europe has been sticking in and championing. Now, we we know that this is going to change based on this prophecy found in Daniel chapter eleven and verse forty. It discusses this clash between uh, Iran, the radical Islamic Empire of Iran. And there's going to be other nations joined together with Iran in this fight, uh, such as Iraq. And they are going to, as it says, their push at, at a German-led Europe. And there is going to be an overwhelming response to that by a German-led Europe. And so we are looking for this uh, scenario to be created that Iran continues to push, but it doesn't push against the United States. It pushes against Europe. That's what we're waiting for in terms of stepping, in terms of understanding where we are in biblical prophecy. This scenario being created, because if you read that prophecy in Daniel eleven and verse forty, you can see there how the next five verses or six verses it goes on to show a a a very uh, distinct uh, series of events that take place that lead up to to the last chapter of Daniel. Which is talking about um, the coming of the Messiah, and so this this very important clash in Daniel chapter eleven, verse forty, involving the King of the South or this radical Islamic empire of Iran, kingdom of Iran, pushing at this king of the North, as it says there, or this german led Europe, is critical to know where knowing where we are in biblical prophecy and how close we are to the coming of the Messiah, and so as we see. Iran and Europe begin to face off. We know we're getting close to that time. Now, if you want a very thorough explanation of this, you need to request our editor-in-chief's book, The King of the South. It's free, and it explains uh, all these prophecies very well about what's happening with Iran, why it's so pushy, and where it's going to end with Europe. So in the short term, we can probably expect the Iran to be a little bit more restrained when it comes to targeting U.S. forces, just because the United States has had the strength to act in this decisive way against Soleimani, which is not surprising, considering this is how the, the world works. Deterrence is, is what really does prevent major wars. And by striking against Soleimani, the United States has restored a level of deterrence against Iranian actions. That's the way it is. And our editor-in-chief, Mr. Gerald Florey, pointed this out in a way. Uh, Back in July 2014, he wrote an article entitled, What Should a Nation Do When It's Treated With Contempt? This article was written right in the middle of uh, President Barack Obama's administration. And we saw that contempt for the United States uh, from Iran, even as America was trying to cozy up to uh, the Iranian regime through the nuclear deal and a number of other actions. This is what he wrote. He was referring to King David and how he uh, stood up for for Israel, and then he relates that to what America should be doing. He says this, quote, David stood up himself and removed the dishonor from Israel, just as on the human level America ought to remove the dishonor created by Iran a long time ago and by so many other nations today. Weakness is revealed when a nation does not put down that dishonor. When enemies see that weakness, they become increasingly contemptuous and grow bolder and more dangerous. And that's what we've seen. That's what we've seen. When there is no response, Iran becomes more dangerous, increasingly contemptuous of what they perceive as weakness. So this show of strength by the United States may actually hold back Iranian attacks against the United States for some time being. There, should be, there could be a short reprieve there. But Iran will continue to push. That is Iran's nature. The Islamic regime, the revolution, has to continue in this. It has to continue to look outward and grow, or it cannot survive. So it's now going to move its focus onto nations that it has absolutely no respect for. Nations that up to now have gone along with the, with the Iranians, even tried to help out the Iranians. As the United States came out of the nuclear deal, there were plenty of other nations that wanted to stay in it. They chose Iran over the United States. At least vocally, they did. These nations, of course, I'm talking about as uh, European nations. Will Iran now turn up its rhetoric against Europe? Up to this point, Iran has provoked the United States, seeing, as the, seeing it as a weak party. But now that's changed, and we have another player on the scene, Europe, that is yet to back up any of its harsh words against the Iranians with action. And this is something that the Iranians view as weakness. And if they do view that as weakness, they'll become increasingly contemptuous and grow bolder and more dangerous. That is something we are actually seeing take place right now. The United States has shown some strength. European nations may not be on the receiving end now of Iran's wrath. This week, the EU said they were going to enact the mechanism that is there to see whether Iran is in compliance of the nuclear deal. And what was interesting in this is how quickly the Iranians turned against Europe. For everything that the EU has done and given to Iran uh, over these past few years trying to, as best they could, uh, slow down the maximum pressure campaign of the Trump administration against the Iranian regime. Europe's tried to undermine that. They have. And now the EU has decided that they're going to trigger this, uh, this clause, which allows them to look into whether Iran is breaking the agreement. This is something that they have to do, according to the JCPOA, before they pull out from it. Iran has just quickly turned around and treating Europe with contempt, and that's because appeasement of Iran, which is what Europe has been doing for years, has only encouraged the Iranians to become increasingly contemptuous and grow bolder and more dangerous against europe against europe. So on January fourteenth, just a few days ago, France, Britain, and Germany triggered this uh, nuclear deal dispute mechanism, and they expressed their concern of Iran's failure to comply with the JCPOA as well. And this is based off Iran's own comments. Iran said January 5th that they were not going to abide by the restrictions of the nuclear deal. And so Britain and uh, France and Germany said this, quote, in their statement, We have therefore been left with no choice given Iran's actions, but to register today our concerns that Iran is not meeting its commitments under the JCPOA, and to refer this matter to the Joint Commission under the dispute resolution mechanism, as set out in chapter 30, paragraph 36 of the JCPOA. And so this is a time period uh, that could take up to 65 days, where they will investigate this at the Security Council to see whether Iran is in violation. And if they are, then these European nations are going to reimpose sanctions on Iran. Now, this is a lengthy, complicated system we'll process what's going to take place. However, it is a small step for Europe confronting Iran over its violations of the nuclear deal. Now, it just came out this week as well. I've got an article here on my desk. We'll probably write about it. I'll watch Jerusalem next week. And it talks about this document that was just released to the Daily Mail by the Israelis that shows undeniably back in 2002 that Iran was working towards a bomb a nuclear bomb they did want that that was their goal all along something that the the IAEA the UN agency that that observes what Iran was doing said that Iran wasn't doing but we have absolute proof that they were doing that and so uh, we know that this is that Iran was pushing towards that towards the nu- a nuclear bomb and Europe has really been made a laughing stock because of that. Because everyone knows that Iran wants a bomb. Everyone knows. They've said they've, they, they, in the past, they've proven that they want to, had wanted a bomb and had a program to produce one. They lied through their teeth. And the world let them get away with lying about it when they, when they entered into the JCPOA. Everyone knew Iran was lying, and yet they still had the deal. And so it comes out that Iran is breaking the deal right now, and Europe says, okay, enough's enough. We're going to trigger this dispute mechanism, and we're going to look into it. So what does Iran do? What does Iran do? This is what the Military Times wrote on January 15th, so just a few days ago. It says this, a warning by Iran's president that European forces in the Middle East could be at risk if their nations join the U.S. pressure campaign against the Islamic Republic, puts a focus on thousands of foreign troops in the region. And so this is what Hassan Rouhani said. This is the moderate. Remember, that's how the nuclear deal was sold. They've got a moderate president in power. And so now we, who doesn't want to continue down the path of the, the supreme leader of Iran, doesn't want to go down the path of the Soleimani's in Iran, and so we've got to strike up a deal with this man. Well, this same man is saying uh, last week, quote, Today, the American soldier is in danger. Tomorrow, the European soldier could be in danger. Sounds like a threat. The tables have quickly flipped on the EU from being Iran's greatest cheerleader to coming out and say, well, we, we want to trigger this dispute mechanism because it looks like Iran is breaking the nuclear deal. And wham! Iran comes out and says, "Watch out, your soldiers' going to be in danger that's that's blackmail that's blackmail for the Europeans now there are quite a few European soldiers uh, in the Middle East right now uh, that could be come come under attack by the Iranians if the Iranians decide to follow through in this uh in Iraq we have Britain France, and Germany they're all part of the the u s coalition that are fighting against the islamic state group britain has 400 troops based in iraq germany has 450 troops deployed there germany has uh has withdrew withdrawn about 35 of their troops after the death of qasem soleimani most of those were flown to jordan germany also has troops there in jordan they're involved in flying reconnaissance and refueling flights for the anti-isis coalition france also has about a thousand troops uh, in Iraq and Syria as well. And so there's a few thousand U.S. Uh, sorry, European Union troops, forces, in the Middle East that could be attacked by the Iranians uh, if the Iranians aren't bluffing in this. And if you go into the Gulf, you've got 500 British forces uh, in the Gulf. They, they are at a training base. Well, they have a training base in Oman. They also have a naval base in Bahrain as well. There's 700 French troops there. The Fr- France just announced this week that they're sending their aircraft carrier, the Charles de Gaulle, to the Persian Gulf as well. That's going to get there sometime in January. And then if you go across to Afghanistan, you have a couple of thousand uh, German and British forces there. In Lebanon as well, you have French, French troops, about 700 troops there, and you have Germany as well. That has troops just off the coast inside Lebanon. And so this this area does have a fair amount of of European Union forces, forces of Europe, and Iran is turning its gaze towards them now. If they join the United States high pressure campaign against the Iranian regime, which just basically would mean uh, joining with the United States sanctions, sanctions that were that were released from Iran because Iran said that they wanted to. Uh, we'll have this nuclear deal, not go forward with their nuclear program. And so Europe said, fine, we won't sanction you anymore. Now they're breaking the nuclear deal. So Europe says, we're going to sanction you again. To which Iran says, watch out, your troops are in danger. So it's really interesting to look at this, that Iran would choose to threaten Europe's soldiers because all they've done is just activated a dispute mechanism. Now, Iran does this because Iran believes that Europe is weak. Therefore, they're going to treat Europe with contempt. They're not scared to issue such threats to uh, to Europe. Now, this comes at the same very same time that the United States President Trump has given notice to NATO, America's NATO allies, which basically means the EU, that The United States doesn't really have too much to gain from the region. And so after the death of Soleimani, they're going to be looking for ways to get out. This is what President Trump said in his statement on January 8th after this strike on Soleimani. Today, I am going to ask NATO to become much more involved in the Middle East process. Over the last three years, under my leadership, Our economy is stronger than ever before, and America has achieved energy independence. These historic accomplishments change our strategic priorities. These are accomplishments that nobody thought were possible. And options in the Middle East became available. We are now the number one producer of oil and natural gas anywhere in the world. We are independent, and we do not need Middle East oil. So you can imagine NATO allies of the United States hearing that and getting a little bit worried because when he says NATO, he basically means the Europeans. They're directly affected by the oil and other exports from the Middle East. America doesn't really need them anymore. So it's up to you guys to pick up the slack. And so you have this... Mixture brewing in the Middle East of a vacating United States and 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 a, a still a belligerent Iran and a Europe that's going to have to make some hard decisions. Do they stay or do do they go if the United States leaves? Now the fact is that Europe will will have to leave the Middle East if the United States leaves unless they increase their number of troops, planes. Uh, and other military hardware in the Middle East. They've relied on the United States infrastructure. They've gone along with the United States missions. The, the United States has done the heavy lifting, and they've given their some of their planes and some of their forces, some of their troops. But really, without the United States there, they're going to really have to increase their commitments. What are they going to do? What will Europe do? Will they retreat out of the Middle East if the United States gives out? Well, we know from biblical prophecy that that's very unlikely to happen, may happen in the immediate term while they uh, discover with the way forward. But in the long term, we know that Europe is going to replace the United States in the region to counter Iran to the point that Iran is going to be striking against European interests, and they can. Europe does have forces there right now. Europe is held over a barrel of oil from what comes out through the, the Persian Gulf and the Strait of Hormuz. And the bab mandab in the Southern Red Sea. And who has control of those waterways? Well, Iran does. Iran does. That's, in fact, a lot of what they're focused on militarily over the past couple of decades, be it with their missiles or with their fast attack boats or their drones. They are preparing to shut down the Strait of Hormuz and shut down the bab mandab if they desire. Biblical prophecy says they're also going to, in the very near future gain control of the Suez Canal as well that's very made, made clear in those prophecies in Daniel chapter 11 so we are seeing this scenario build in the middle east where you have a vacating united states a europe that is going to have to start looking after its own interests in the middle east and you have an iranian nation that does not respect europe and that will that will push against europe because of that lack of respect And what's interesting in this prophecy in Daniel chapter 11 and verse 40 is that the Iranian king of the south, radical Islamic kingdom, completely overestimates their own power and underestimates Europe's decisive response that will come. The Bible indicates that Europe is going to be on the receiving end of Iran's wrath, and it's hard to see how that would have happened If the United States stayed in the region and with the president wanting to pull out forces, and he will from the region, we are coming closer and closer to this clash that's prophesied there in the book of Daniel. Again, if you want to read more about these specific prophecies about Iran's rise and how it will increasingly push at Europe and then what Europe will do in its overwhelming response— please go ahead and request our book, The King of the South. It's free, and we will send it to you, a hard copy, wherever you are in the world. We'd also like to advertise again our our magazine, Watch Jerusalem. This is a magazine that comes out bi-monthly. It it focuses on both archaeology and prophetically significant news from the Middle East. This too can be sent to you wherever you are in the world, and it is available for free. We've just sent to press our third edition of this magazine, so it's still Uh, new for us, and uh, we're excited to be able to give that to you, full of informative articles and graphics that can help your understanding of biblical archaeology and also where we are headed in terms of the biblical prophecies being fulfilled before our eyes. Thanks very much for listening today. If you want to send some feedback, you can write your emails to letters at watchjerusalem.co.il. I'll talk to you next week.